rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in. Thursday edition Inside the Gamecocks podcast, September 3rd. Happy forthcoming Labor Day weekend to all of you guys uh, out there in Gamecock land or in inside the Gamecocks podcast land. If uh, you're a fan of another school and you just want to listen to yours truly, sorry about the time on this. Usually try to have the podcast out by now. <clears throat> had some technical issues last night with the JC and Morgan podcast. So I had to get up and upload that, take care of all those things, get that one out. Uh, it's up now, J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast, myself and Mike Morgan. You can get it on iTunes, um, which is now called Apple Pods. I keep saying that. Google Play, Spotify, iHeart app. Uh, if you got the iHeart Radio app, we are on there. Um, and we had a good interview with Andy Staples. We talked about college football, barbecue, road trips. Uh, and then we talked about the Jamie Newman situation at Georgia. Uh, at the end, and uh, another really solid episode of the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast. That comes out weekly during the season, uh, unless there's just some conflict where Mike has to go call a game or I'm doing something and we can't get to it. But uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to that, too. Part of our podcast family here at Sherb Nation, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, also want to thank all of you that have been uh, reviewing and rating this podcast uh, we are now the number 105 podcast in the United States, uh, according to uh, Apple and their rankings, um, and in the category of football. And I look through, and that's NFL, that's uh, college football, that's uh, some European soccer, U.S.-based European soccer. There was, there was a show called, like, The Fighting Cock Hour, uh, or something like that. And I looked at it and I was like, well, what is this? Cause I, I didn't, I didn't know it was, it was in football. So it's like South Carolina podcast. I've never heard of this one. Um, and I looked and it was about European soccer. And so, uh, we're the number one ranked Gamecock podcast. Uh, there's no other South Carolina focused podcast like this ranked anywhere in the top 200. We're number one Oh five. Uh, and that's because of you guys uh, giving this thing a chance and, and listening in and tuning in. So keep those reviews and ratings going. I think we're about at 160 now. Uh, I'd like to get to 1,000. Uh, I think that uh, we've got a good thing going. And, and the more you that listen, spread the word, tell your friends. Uh, we're right here every day talking Gamecocks. And I know that that's especially for those of you that live outside of Columbia or out of state. Uh, I know that's a difficult thing sometimes. Um, you know, I think that Columbia kind of serves it with local radio. Uh, but if you live out of state or you live out, out of Columbia, you know, I, I think this is something that people need, not just this one, but every other Gamecock podcast, because you want to hear about your team, you know, uh, you want to hear about college football, but you want to also hear about your team. Um, and, and I think it's a good to have a variety. So listen to this, listen to JC and Morgan, uh, JB and Goldwater is a great show. Uh, locked on the Gamecocks. If, if you want to join up there, be a patron of Keith's. Uh, I recommend that. Uh, recommend Tito's and Chicken for kind of a lighter side look. Those guys do a, a good job. Um, just can't say enough about the Gamecock podcast ecosystem, as I call it. All right, I spent five minutes doing that. So head over to the iTunes and you know, rate me one star for wasting time. Uh, anyway, getting right to it. And I mentioned this, the, the Jamie Newman situation at Georgia is kind of interesting to me. Uh, I'll say this, 
I was having trouble wrapping my head around this guy being the answer in, 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 in Todd Monk and their new offensive coordinator, what they were going to do on offense. Um, and you just don't know. I mean, Monken in, in and of himself, if you look at his career, he worked at uh, Oklahoma State under Gundy. So some people are like, he's an air raid guy, but he also worked in the NFL. He was the head coach at Southern Miss. Um, and he's got a lot of pro-style stuff in what he does as well. My opinion was it wasn't going to be that far removed from what Jim Chaney did when he was there. Um, and I think conceptually last year under Coley, that they had some concepts that were that, but the play calling down to down just was missing. Um, it's kind of like Brian McClendon's tenure at South Carolina. They, they just ran into some situations where down to down, that wasn't good. You know, Coley was the offensive coordinator at Miami. If you guys watched the Independence Bowl in 2014 when South Carolina played them, was not a very good South Carolina defense. Uh, Miami had some talent on that offense, and they couldn't really get it going in that game or a lot of other games when he was there. And that's nothing against him. I mean, he's a good guy. I've talked to him before back when he was at Florida State. Um, and a good guy, nothing against him or Brian McClendon or anybody personally. But I, you could just tell it wasn't working out. So with Monken, I thought, well, this is going to be kind of – it's going to be more like Jim Chaney. I mean, they're, they're, you're the Georgia Bulldogs, all right? You're not going to get away from the power run game, nor should you. You recruit better than anybody in the country outside of Alabama at running back. Um, you, you have good offensive to great offensive linemen stack there. Um, you do have some better skill talent with George Pickens, and you got to get those guys the ball and be creative with it. But but running going to LSU, I mean, like LSU did last year, I, that, that that I don't think that was going to happen, and nor should it at Georgia. I think. You know, LSU kind of went air raid. I mean, they, you know, I had a coach tell me uh, we were kind of talking about LSU last year and their offense. like, you, you got to be able to go five wide on first down and you got to be able to have a five, 895 pound scat pack back there and not be afraid to use them and spread it. Uh, and they did. And, and, you know, hats off to them. It was a dominant performance. And, and I, I believe in that, but I also believe that LSU's offense have been so stagnated for so long. Uh, and, and that's not the case at Georgia. Georgia, good offenses under Bobo. I thought, you know, when they played for the national title in 2017, obviously you have to have uh, horses on offense and the, and the ability to put up points to go out shoot Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. Um you know, I I I, I don't think the Georgia offense was was LSU style broken, um, and frankly, LSU had been working toward that under Orgeron, and then they brought in Brady, and away they go. Uh, I didn't anticipate that kind of change. Uh, number one, Georgia doesn't have the talent at receiver that LSU does, and and they don't historically. You look at it, Georgia's had some great receivers. Uh, a lot of them are from. The Carolinas, A.J. Green, Muhammad Massaqua come to mind. but uh, And George Pickens is from Alabama. Uh, so they kind of go out of state sometimes to get their stud receivers. But they didn't have anything like LSU. And, and I'll, I'll go back to the 2012 LSU-Carolina game. You know, LSU's in the eye just about the whole game. And it worked for them. They won the game. Uh, but, you know, with Mettenberger at quarterback, the, their two starting receivers were Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. <laughs> Uh, Louisiana puts out some guys at receivers straight up, you know, uh, Keon Coleman, uh, Gamecock recruit in this class, uh, somebody the Gamecocks recruited, he's a Kansas commit. 
you know, that guy's from Louisiana and LSU's not even taking him and he's special. So, you know, I think sometimes you got to look at where you're at and what you're going to do. And I, I just don't know that Georgia was going to go full Joe Brady. Some people thought that or Mike Leach or whatever. And I especially didn't know that that was going to work with, with Jamie Newman. I thought, you know, Jim Newman was a good passer. He's a bigger guy. He can run the ball. Um, maybe there's some quarterback run game that they would get to. He's big. He's 6'4", 229. Um, big arm. But, I, I, you know, that square peg into that round hole, I didn't understand either. So, you know, either if they did go air raid or they did go pro style. I, you know, he, he's a fit for what Wake Forest did. Uh, with the mesh point Warren Ruggiero RPO offense, and they ran that masterfully until they run in, ran into a team that just overwhelmed them up front. And so, you know, it, it, you know, I had some questions uh, about that. I, I, you know, he was talking about him winning the Heisman and stuff like that. I, I just, I was like, hold on, maybe, maybe not. And then people that called him the next Joe Burrow, well, keep in mind, Joe Burrow had a year before he had last year, and he took his lumps. You know, Burrow was a guy kind of, you know, statistically and game-to-game wise, a lot like Jake Bentley um, his first year at LSU. Uh, you know, he had some games where, you know, maybe it wasn't pretty with the passing game. And then, he, you know, everything came together last year. So, you know, I think asking Jamie Newman to come in and replicate that in one year was a bit much. Now, you want to talk about Oklahoma's parade of Heisman winners and – uh and then they had Jalen Hurts last year. Yeah, those guys came in in one year and got it. Or Baker Mayfield was actually there for more than one year. But as transfers and got it done. So I, I thought that was premature. I, I think JT Daniels is a heck of a talent. I think he can do a good job there. I don't think they'll miss Jamie Newman, provided Daniels is healthy. Behind Daniels, it is scary if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan. Um, really, really scary. I mean, I, I, you know, this is a program in Georgia – that has had to go uh, with true freshman quarterbacks in the recent past. Uh, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, uh, Carson Beck is there. Um, and I think that would probably be the guy unless you play a walk-on. I, I don't know that Dewan Mathis uh, is a guy that could do it. You know, I think he's probably a developmental guy that you look at down the road. So, you know, but that that kind of makes that situation in Georgia really interesting. Uh, and, and if JT Daniels had not gotten eligible and gotten the waiver, you know, at quarterback at least, they would it'd be an issue. But you know, Georgia's good enough on defense. I'd still pick them to win the SEC East because I think Georgia could have like one of the best defenses we've seen in a while. Like you know, early two thousands Alabama level stuff. Uh, all they played a lot of good young players the last couple of years. He's gotten a lot of experience and their ball back and they got depth and, you know, they can sustain injuries on, on that side of the ball. So, you know, George is probably still my pick for the sec East. Uh, although, you know, it's been shown over the years. If, if you're that, if you're bad on, I mean, you can't be bad on offense. You can be adequate, uh, but you can't be bad on offense and just rely on your defense and, uh, win games 14-7 because inevitably somebody's going to dial something up that's going to confuse your players. They're going to score on it, and if you're trying to win 14-7 to and they somehow get 14 and you only get seven, that's a different deal. But uh, certainly interesting news coming out of Athens. I, You know, it, 
I, I think during all the COVID stuff, um, you're going to see, and, and this relates to the Gamecocks, you, you're going to see guys opt out and use the COVID thing as a reason, you know, to say, hey, I'm, I'm sitting this year, going to go get ready for the NFL. Uh, I believe there are agents out there in the ears of some of these guys um, that are trying to talk them into not doing it. Hey, just go get ready for the NFL. It's too uncertain. Um, and so that's kind of an unintended consequence of saying, uh, free opt out, uh, because they still get to hang and, you know, use the facilities and, uh, go to class for free and live for free, uh, you know, and, and you don't have to pay for all that. Uh, you can still train. So, um, I, I think that, you know, for your Jamar chases at like an LSU of the world and, and, you know, I, Jamie Newman to me was, I don't know. Any any of you think he would have been a first rounder? I, I, I'm just not sure about that. Maybe the pros know something I don't. But um, I uh, I felt like he kind of needed this year at Georgia against the SEC competition to show what he could do. But we'll see see what happens there. Um, but I do think that's the case, and I think what that's going to do is I would encourage Gamecock fans to just kind of take a deep breath and see how all this unfolds because, you know, I don't know and I can't tell you for sure that South Carolina won't have another opt-out. Um, I honestly have not heard anything along those lines. Everything I hear is everybody's playing. Um, I, I can't tell you South Carolina won't have another injury. Uh, I can't tell you the roster is going to be as it is now in 23 days when they, they kick it off, but – you know, some of these folks out here that cover the sport, you know, are just looking at recruiting rankings. Uh, and, and this is my caution about team recruiting rankings. There's only one Alabama. And, yes, Alabama recruits number one, two, three in the country every single year, most of the time number one. They're number one right now. But they've done it for, like, 12 straight years. Okay, that, that program – and they may not have won the national title the last two years. I mean, they're not invincible – but they're built to sustain things like injuries and opt-outs. And I don't think they've had many opt-outs. Um, but, but the other schools like LSU, I think some people think because they recruit in the top five every year, oh, they'll just be fine. Uh, as Nick Saban says, they'll just poop another player. I'm sorry, LSU's not built that way. Uh, LSU was a you know three, four, five loss team every single year before last year. You know, they're not Bama. Nobody is. Ohio State's close. I think Clemson is set up because of where they're at in their conference for sustained success every year. Um, those three programs, though, are different. I mean, you know, you can't just sit there and say, well, Auburn, they recruit in the top ten every year. So, therefore, even though their entire offensive line has gone, and when Gus's offense does not have an offensive line, they struggle mightily. Um. Of course, it's Chad Morris's offense this year, so we'll see what happens there. And a lot of great players on defense. You, know, you can't just say, oh, well, they're going to be good. I mean, somebody voted them fourth in the top 25. And, look, they could be that good. Auburn's a mystery each and every year. But, you know, th this assumption that, that these programs are just going to survive, oh, LSU, you know, people are saying, well, they'll just be eight and two now. No, I'm sorry. 
Uh, and maybe, you know, it just depends on who, who shoots up. And I'm, you know, obviously great respect for Orgeron. Also lost their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator. Because I want to give Steve Ensminger credit. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. You know, everybody just said, ah, Joe Brady's the guy. And probably, you know, probably is. But they still have Brady's playbook. So, you know, if you're a Gamecock fan, I think you're sitting there watching. You're like, hey, man, you know. Carolina's guys are kind of, you know, intact. You know, if you can get there the next 23 days and you know, people don't get hurt, you know, that gives you an advantage because the recruiting rankings do not decide who wins football games, folks. You know, it, it, that that's a – talent is a portion of it. And, you know – experience matters in the SEC age in college football matters. I mean, you're a freshman, you're not nearly as strong as you are when you're a junior or senior or fast or comfortable with the scheme or whatever, you know? So what I'm saying is, you know, South Carolina keeps everybody intact. Other schools keep having these surprising losses. It jars your team. I mean, it's gotta be jarring if you're Georgia and you're sitting there with this guy, you're getting ready for the season and all of a sudden he's like, Oh, I'm out. You know, that kind of, kind of throw you away. You know, I think Georgia's going to be awfully good because their defense, we hadn't seen a bunch of opt-outs there. But, you know, all this assumption that everybody not named Alabama and Clemson, you know, and, and those two schools, by the way, haven't had opt-outs, you know, just because they recruit in the top ten, they're going to be fine. And that's just not the case. That's, uh, I say many times, very little difference between the 11th-ranked recruiting class in the country and the 20th-ranked recruiting class in the country. And the numbers bear that out. You, know, you can go play with the class calculator on 24-7 sports and take guys out and put guys in. You're talking about two or three guys that are slightly by fractions of a point ranked higher than the other two or three guys at number 20 to get to number 11. And it's fractions of a point. It's also based on composite rankings. So you're taking – you know, you could have one analyst out there who is not so high on a kid, which is fine, um, who ranks his kid as a, as a mid-three-star three or low – low three-star in the case of Ja'Kai Moore. Everybody else says four. His composite ranking is going to be below, you know, the guy that may be going to Florida that gets kind of a courtesy 89.5 and is a four-star. Um, so so this notion that you can lose all this talent and this year against an all-SEC schedule be just fine because, you know, those recruiting rankings, that's just not going to happen. Uh, if it happens for some of these teams, it's it's because they got dang good players um, who they did recruit, but they developed them and their coaches were smart enough to put them in the right place. So if you're South Carolina, I, you know, looking at it, I, I think that, you're, you know, you're kind of like, well, you know, everybody's kind of here except Marshawn Lloyd, which is a big deal. But um, – and, and as Will Muschamp says, the teams that are going to be successful in this very strange season are going to be the teams that – manage the COVID situation, aren't losing guys week to week, that type of thing. I mean, LSU's lost 32 guys off last year's team. They're going to have 70 guys on their roster. What happens if 19 guys get COVID and they're all starters? You're dipping into the – I mean, I said 70 on their roster, 70 scholarship guys on their roster. You know, and they're down to 51 and they're playing true freshmen, second and third teamers, you know, and, and they got to go play Mike Leach in Mississippi State and none of their guys have COVID and – you know, they're out there aerating them to death. Hope Bo Pelini earns his money that day. 
that's going to be a very fascinating kickoff game, by the way. Mississippi State at LSU. I understand why CBS picked it up because it's that's got quite a storyline. Uh, defending national champs versus uh, the Pirate in his SEC opener. Um, and so I just want to talk about that. You know, that some of these teams are losing guys. Uh, like I said, I think if you're a Gamecock fan, it's scary because you're still 23 days away and anything can happen. But, you know, again, I think this coaching staff has managed all of these situations that have hit our country and our world uh, in the last nine months pretty well. I think the coaching staff deserves credit for that. And I know some of you don't care because it's just, just win, baby. And I get it. That's what it's all about. It's winning. And if you're a Gamecock fan, I think you're sick of losing. You're sick of seeing your rival schools do well. Uh, and you've been through a lot, a lot of crap. Uh, I think if I'd have talked to any of you in 2013, um, and I did to many, and didn't tell you. Uh, I, I t- in 2013, I said I thought the defense would be bad in 2014, and one of the worst, and it was. But I didn't expect the program to nosedive. <laughs> I didn't, I, and I, I didn't expect Clemson to ascend like they did. Um, and that's got to be tough, and I get it. And you know, you go to Final Four in basketball, and then. You know, I don't think the basketball program is at the point where one Final Four was going to all of a sudden lead the Gamecocks to the promised land. I think Frank's done a good job. I think he's building back up. But that's got to be disappointing, three straight seasons of of not going back to the big dance. But, of course, last year nobody did. But I, that team would have had to have won two or three games in the tournament to get there. So, I mean, I get it. Disappointment on the baseball diamond, an 8-22 and record, and then in the partial season this past year, things weren't looking all that great. Lost to Clemson in this three-game series. So, uh, I get it. It's been a tough deal. So, you don't really want to hear about, um, you know, oh, they've done a good job managing this. But I'm going to tell you this. In this year – Will Muschamp's right. That's going to lead to success. Is it going to guarantee you success? No. But I think some very proud programs, if they don't manage this correctly, uh, are going to to have bad seasons, like seasons that you're scratching your head going, how the hell do they end up two and eight? You know, and then they'll be right back next year. You know, have a couple of cupcakes on the schedule to go nine and three or whatever. Um, but that's the challenge this year. And, you know, to have a guy like Will Muschamp, who's extremely organized, who off the field has a great, you know, the best plan of anybody, you know, as far as structure in the program and having really good people around and, you know, uh, players do what they're, you know, what they're supposed to do responsibility-wise. And there is some talent, a lot of talent on this team. You know, it could all come together. I'm not predicting that. Again, 23 days. But I think that you'd rather be in South Carolina's position right now than Auburn's or LSU's um, as far as things stand right now. You know, so we'll see kind of what happens. Always tracking the SEC here on Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Um, I wanted to talk and get a deep dive into the Gamecocks, a little bit of a deep dive into the Gamecocks offensive line. Um, you know, I, I've said this before. I think the fact that Justin Turnentine is penciled in as the left tackle as a JUCO transfer. And he, there's really been no question there. Um, you know, I, I think that's a positive, you know, and, I, I, you know, it's tough to sit there and go, well, 
hopefully he's Dennis Daly because Dennis Daly took over after two games in 2017 and just stayed there. You never really heard much about Dennis. And that was a good thing because he, he played really well. And then Dennis gets drafted and all of a sudden he's starting for the Panthers and playing better than the guy he replaced. And you're like, Whoa, you know, that's pretty good guy. And so, you know, a Juco offense is, you know, you're, you're wondering about yeah, can lightning strike twice? Well, it can. I mean, I've seen Alabama, if you look at their recruiting over the years, you know, they, and they go all over the country for their offensive linemen. Um, and they recruit really well. When they go to Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio, California, they get really good players. But if you notice like every, every couple of cycles, they'll take a Juco offensive lineman and it kind of comes out of nowhere. You're like, wow. And he'll come in there and dadgummit, he'll start for a couple of years, you know, good player. So it, lightning has struck like this before um, with the Juco thing. So I think that's a positive. That's your left tackle. That allows Sedarius Hutcherson to move inside where he's natural. I mean, Sedarius Hutcherson is a good left tackle, I think, at the college level. I think Sedarius Hutcherson is a great left guard, if that makes sense. Uh, I think inside is his game. I think that's where he's going to play in the NFL. Uh, you know, he's a fifth-year guy. I mean, what an evaluation this kid was. So he's there. I've mentioned Eric Douglas, and I think Eric Douglas is a center. Uh, you know, I know he struggled at, at guard sometimes last year, was hurt. Like Will Muschamp said, he's battled. But, I, you know, he's taken that job. Uh, because heading in, a lot of people on the inside just assumed Manos, Manos was going to win. Maybe Vincent Murphy who's also really good, who I think is going to back up at guard. Uh, but Eric Douglas has won it, and I, and I think that's what he is. Just for my evaluation, if I was looking at him, I'm going, he's probably a center. You know, and I made the comparison to Chris White from a couple of years back, kid out of Chester, who was a Holtz recruit, but I think he played a year under Spurrier, maybe two. Uh, but that kind of guy. So you move to right guard, Jovan Gwynn, who's a baller. Brawler, baller, brawler, baller. <laughs> uh, as we said many times during recruiting, they're like, if there was a, a fight and, you know, you like 20 guys in a barn and one guy got out, it would be Jovan Gwynn. <laughs> so he's tough. And then at right tackle, you have Dylan Wanham, who was freshman all SEC. They really missed him last year when he was out. Um, so you kind of look at that. You know, I think the tight end position to me is a, is a kind of a code red worry. Maybe a code orange. We don't. We don't want to talk about orange on this podcast, do we? Uh, a code. Yeah, not not quite a code. Right? But maybe that next level. Defcon. You know, is it four? Defcon one. I don't know. Whatever the next. Uh, oh my God, Defcon is. Uh, me and Mike on JC and Morgan talked about that. But it's uh, whatever the next Defcon is because I, I I really like Nick Muse. I think he's a really good player. Uh, worry, you know, coming off the ACL, kind of working his way back in. That's one thing behind him. You know, you have Will Register. Now, I was – a lot of people were really high on Will Register coming out of Chapin High School, and he just hadn't done much, you know, hadn't been a guy that's factored in at tight end. Well, right now he's 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 number two. Uh, here's a guy like Eric Douglas that hadn't given up. Um Coming out of high school, he had the skill set. I, I think a lot of people have kind of been wondering what's what's happened to him. So he's there. Uh, and I talked about the tight ends yesterday, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. And you got Patrick Reedy, uh, who's also another blocker type. They can always use Chandler Farrell. I think kind of 
you know, when you want to split a guy out, Kevion Mullins is going to play a factor. But there's so much that goes into it. So I'm I'm concerned about tight end, especially if it gets beyond Muse. In other words, if he has an injury, hopefully he does not have an injury. Um, and it's just because of the situation there. I mean, Jaheim Bell uh, is still injured, probably not back for a while. And then Eric Shaw just started practicing. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But on the offensive line, getting back to that, um, I think that, you know, when you look at those starters across the board, it's a big athletic group. Um, I think it could be top the top fourth of the SEC uh, this year and surprise some people. Um, just looking at the guys they have, and, and and I'm very curious to see how in Mike Bobo's offense, the idea of the concepts on the offensive line, uh, the different types of run plays and stuff they do. I, I wonder, you know, seeing how uh, all that fits together. I'm curious about that. Speaking of offensive line, we got a recruiting note. Phil Kornblut from Sports Talk uh, reported this earlier. Cameron Scott from Converse, Texas. 6'5", 302-pound guy, a lot like most of the guys Eric Wolford likes to recruit athletic. You know, he's talking about South Carolina, uh, how he likes South Carolina. He may commit. Uh, two things on this. Number one, we have to confirm that he's a take because the numbers right now on the offensive line are getting full. Um I watching him on film, I'd take him, you know, I'd make room for this guy cause I like him uh, a lot. I don't think it's ever a bad idea to go out to Texas and get a guy. Um, and, uh, you know, JT eBay was a Texan uh, who before him, Elliot Fry kid out of Texas. Um, Nick Harvey of course was from Texas, but didn't play that much. So, uh, you know, nothing wrong with picking one out of Texas every now and then. But this guy, this guy's really good, in my opinion. Um, and so we'll see what happens there. Uh, he says, uh, what is it, the 24th is when he's going to commit. Um, and so we'll see. You know, I, I, I kind of like him better than – I don't like him better than John Darius Morgan. I like him better than the Jordan Davis kid. So if that makes sense, if you look at the two offensive linemen. But we'll see. You know, lots to confirm on that story. You know, sometimes kids say things, prospects say things, but they don't really have the offer and, you know, things happen. So that, that's why you got to take things recruits say with a grain of salt. Um, all right, one mailbag question today. And, again, if you want to get in on the mailbag, here's how you do it. It's inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. That is the email address. Or you can get on Twitter and tweet tweet to us at the Big Spur Pod. Go follow that Twitter account, the at the Big Spur Pod. That's uh, that's where we get all our questions for the mailbag, and um, you know, off of Twitter, and then then use the email address, and you'll be hunky dory and get right here. I appreciate everybody uh, that responds. Right before I get to this question, though, uh, also on Twitter and on the bigspur.com, I'd like to. I'd like to refer you to some of the pictures with the new Gamecocks uh, renovations at Williams-Brice Stadium. The media did a tour today. It looks fantastic. You know, the Cockaboose Club to me looks good. Um, anybody out there has a ticket at the Cockaboose Club, two tickets, want me to kind of hang out for a home game with you in the Cockaboose Club, I'll gladly do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, depending on the weekend. Uh, the new recruiting area that they made out of the the cruise building, which used to be the weight room, uh, looks fantastic. I think 
you know, that's really big uh, in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of the uh, what, what recruits do on game day. Um, that's important. You know, uh, they don't just sit in the stands. In fact, a lot of them don't. They go to the sidelines and they go up there and eat the buffet meal, feed, get a little lunch, that kind of thing. You know, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, but check out those pictures. I, I think, you know, Ray Tanner, his staff did a good job. Another another interesting note is the uh, stadium capacity is down to 77,799. That's down from 80,250. So that's a trend. Look for that to happen in a lot of places too. Uh, even Tennessee, you know, maybe they'll have wider seats at Nayland stadium, but you know, Florida was talking about that because they have those bench seats and stuff where they need, they're going to lower the capacity of the swamp and put in nicer stuff. And I think you got to do that nowadays. Uh, you know, you need a little more in terms of amenities uh, for your fans. You know, you do so much for student athletes and rightfully so, and coaches get, make a lot of money and, it's expensive to go to games now, uh, and, you know, you, you need a little more. I mean, just like, you know, pro baseball stadiums are a lot like amusement parks nowadays. <laughs> uh, and so we'll see there. Another note I wanted to pass along to you um, from John Rothstein, based on it's hoops, basketball. Um, John Rothstein, CBS insider says Harris Cherokee center. Now this is not Harris Cherokee casino where I saw Ron White in concert one time, and that was an excellent show. Uh, it's the Harris Cherokee Casino Center in Asheville. So this is like the Asheville Arena, probably where they used to have the Big South Tournament and Southern Conference Tournament and all that. Um, has emerged as a potential location to host a bubble in college basketball. This bubble would include both non-conference and conference games. This is interesting to me because – the fact that he mentioned conference games. Now, what, what are we talking here? Major conferences. Uh, you know, Roy Williams, the coach at North Carolina, is actually from Asheville, if I'm not mistaken. Um, are we talking about bubbling up all of college basketball this year? That's my question. In other words, is everything going to be on a neutral site? Um, and so I, I think that's uh, obviously a fair question. And, and um Obviously, something that could be extremely intriguing uh, when you talk about college basketball. Everything's on a neutral floor, so that's really interesting, uh, in, in my opinion. So we'll see kind of what happens there. So that's a basketball thing. All right, mailbag question. JC, I saw a poster on the Big Spur. Thank you for being on the Big Spur. Say that uh, he felt like the wide receiver team – the wide receiver group of South Carolina was the worst in power five. Uh, what do you think, Dean? Well, Dean, I, you know, if you were ranking them preseason and, and, you know, I just was kind of looking at production returning and looking at recruiting rankings and, and all that. Yeah. I'd probably, I don't know. I don't know about worst because I'm sure there's some team out there that doesn't have, you know, some big 10 team or, Vanderbilt or somebody like that that has worse, you know, where you would rank them. Uh, but, but, but I think this wide receiver discussion is interesting. It's still a question mark. And it's going to be a question mark till there's some production. And there wasn't a lot of production last year. 
uh, with some guys that had to come in and play because of injuries. Keep in mind, by the time the Clemson game rolled around, Brian Edwards wasn't out there. Josh Van wasn't out there. Josh Van didn't play all that well. Um, they had Trey Atkins out there as a walk-on who actually played pretty good at times, freshman quarterback. I mean, you know, Xavier Leggett was not ready. Um, and, and so I get the bad taste in your mouth about receiver. And then you look at Edwards and, you know, you're like, ah, oh, well, the number one guy's gone and he is. So you got to replace him. Wide receiver year to year for 20 years in this program, somebody always steps up. <laughs> I go, I'll take you back to 09 where for whatever reason, Alshon Jeffrey didn't play the first three games and he ended up being the guy, but somehow they made it through uh, without him the first few games and it started off pretty well. So um, I'll say this, this is what matters to me. Uh, when you're going to be evaluating this, and I've got a list of things that matter and a list of things that don't mean a damn thing. Okay. So here's what matters when you're evaluating this receiver core. Can the player catch the ball? (laughs) You know, can the player run? Do they have speed? Can the player run routes and execute the offense? And can the player get open and perform consistently and not disappear? Those are all important things. And those are all things that are not going to be determined until the season gets here. But those are what those are the things that matter. Okay. And when you're talking about those types of things and, and you're looking, um, you know, let's start with can they run? Well, in the open field, Leggett's the fastest player on the team. Shy Smith's the top three fast player on the team. Luke Doty's fast. Um, you know. Jalen Brooks has had no issues with speed. Nobody's not a single person has said, well, it's a different level. You know, he's out there going up against McQuamu and Horn and Robinson every day. Um, you know, can they catch? I, you know, that's the big question for me. You know, there have been issues with drops around this program for about two seasons now, and, you know, that doesn't need to happen. Um, can they execute the offense? That's going to be important. You know, that's to be determined. Can they play consistently? That's going to be determined. Um, But just the athletic part of it, I I don't know where you look around and go, oh, Carolina's got a bunch of guys that run 4-8 and are slow and unathletic. That's a start. You're not going to know, you know, you're not going to know anything else until you know it. Um, Here's what doesn't matter. It doesn't mean a damn thing. The fact that Brooks played at Wingate and transferred to Tarleton State, that didn't mean anything. It's meaningless. The fact that Luke Doty and DeCarrie and Joyner were recruited as quarterbacks and Luke Doty's going to be a quarterback long-term, meaningless. That means nothing as far as which, how will those two guys do at receiver this year. That doesn't mean a damn thing. Um, Shai Smith and his stats the last two years, that doesn't mean anything. Um, you know – and I'll tell you why. It doesn't mean – I mean, if Jalen Brooks can play, he can play. It doesn't matter where he came from. No difference in coming from Wingate and coming from junior college. In fact, Wingate's probably a little tougher. Um, it doesn't matter that Luke Doty is a long-term quarterback if he can help a receiver and catch passes. That doesn't matter because he's fast, he's got good hands, runs good routes, that kind of thing. Well, you know, it doesn't matter that DeCarrie and Joyner used to be a quarterback. 
He's elusive. He can catch. He's been working at the position. He can help the offense. He'll be on the field. You know, nobody was crying when they moved Ryan Brewer to running back from running back to wide receiver. Nobody was crying when they recruited a Juco running back named Corey Alexander and they moved him to wide receiver back in the Holtz era. You know, nobody was crying when Steve Spurrier played Savelle Newton at three different positions. You know, I, I the, the Luke Doty thing is the most asinine thing I think I've ever heard. And it's, I know why, you know, I, I know why, because you're frustrated with the whole thing. And it's like, ah, you know, nothing anybody does in the preseason is going to matter. Um, but none of those things matter as far as the receivers go. You know, so you got to look at what does matter and what doesn't matter. Could it end up being the worst group in Power Five? I'd be surprised if it were. Um, but maybe, maybe so. You know, maybe some guys get hurt. Brooks doesn't get his waiver and they really struggle. But I, I, I like the, you know, when you're talking about the top six, you know, and I'm including Rico Powers in this. I mean, you know, Josh Van was the third receiver last year. Josh Van is the seventh receiver this year. Eighth. Or Trey Smith was the second receiver in 2017. He's eighth or ninth if he gets back. So, so, so there's your difference. There's your difference. Um, Vanderbilt has entered – another player has entered the transfer portal for Vandy. They are jumping off the – ooh, I just saw some Vandy practice video. My goodness. Uh, J.R. Tran Reno has uh, entered the transfer portal. He was supposed. He was an Alabama guy at Briarwood Christian. Um, you know, twenty seventeen. Never played. Vanderbilt has a new offense this year. Hmm. That's right. They hired somebody new. Todd Fitch from South Carolina, or that used to be at South Carolina. Speaking of the Holtz era, eh, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, you know, Vanderbilt's lost some guys. There, there's there's maybe there's some faith, you know, loss of faith up there. But see, you know, teams uh losing guys. South Carolina hadn't lost anybody, knock on wood. Uh David Cloninger's uh on Twitter correction, it's not seventy seven nine, it's seventy seven five fifty nine. Um is the new capacity at Williams price. It was 80,250. 80, I think they're still going to be able to get 80,000 in. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, Rothstein continues to says uh, the Asheville thing would be between December 1st and 22nd. Offer teams up to a maximum of eight non-conference. See, I think that's a good idea, you know, with the, with the basketball. Um, and he didn't say anything about the conference and the follow-up. Uh, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is something different. Winthrop is pushing towards a preseason bubble. So this is different than Asheville. Winthrop is saying uh, a 16 high major and four mid-major program event from December 1st to December 22nd uh, and a maximum of eight non-conference games. You see, I think in basketball, this is what you should do. Um 
bubble everybody for the non-conference. You know, if you're going to play home arenas and away arenas or whatever um, in the conference, that's fine. In the non-conference, though, in order to get it done, because the, the thing with non-conference play is the testing protocols are not the same, et cetera. So you bubble everybody up. Uh, over the course of three weeks, you know, you play eight games, which is, you know, solid number. I mean, I think a lot of people were worried it would be conference only this year on a neutral side, and then you get done. Maybe you do this twice. Maybe you add two more games and get ten. And I don't know. Um I do think that college basketball, based on what I've been told, they're, they're ahead of college football. Um, and it's also kind of funny, and this is probably a con- you know a conversation for another day, you, you don't hear as many people crying about basketball being played. Um, don't know why. It's a contact sport. You're in each other's face. Better make sure you test. I love basketball, though. So don't don't get me wrong. I'm fine with that. Don't. I hope people don't keep complaining about it, uh, or, or or not not playing about it. So we'll see what happens. All right. Keep rating us five stars. Keep writing those reviews. I'll keep bringing it. Uh, be sure to check out JC and Morgan. Like I said, Andy Staples, and we talked about the Georgia thing uh, and more. It's a good hour and change, uh, and certainly appreciate you being here with me on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. This is JC Sherbert. Holla at you soon.